Hi, and welcome to the 120th edition of the Keen Minds podcast, where we follow NBC's The Blacklist. This is Season 8, Episode 12, Rakitin. I'm Jen, a.k.a. Takata Saiko. And I am Tessa. And how did you like it? I loved it. I loved it. I am sounding very um, low-key and a little down. I am in horrendous pain. I did some injury to my shoulder. So if you hear me panting or have a pain thing, no, Brimlim is not here. Uh, Rakitin is not giving me uh, gas. And nobody's, you know, no, it's just I'm in pain. And heavy panting is also probably the pain. Also, it could be the dog, too. <laughs> yeah, everyone's well with here, the dogs. Yeah. But better, better when it's the dogs than pain causing it. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree there. I love the episode. It was fast. It was it was full of little hints that we will, I'm sure, be talking about for uh, weeks. I feel like we got a lot of information in this one. It was Lucas Ryder um, was our writer for it, and he's Very I, I can't. I was going to say, I can't recall an episode I disliked with Lucas. He's just a very, very talented writer. And so I, I enjoyed it as well. I mean, I, I'm still very frustrated with the lack of Liz. Um, I feel like I need to put that out there. But overall, I very much enjoyed the episode. I found that that I wasn't bothered at all by the lack of Liz. I think that it's been handled well. I am not complaining i mean it's it, it's fine if she comes back it's fine if she remains this this unseen presence it works for the story and, and kudos for handling things you know in, in that way it just feels okay to me yeah i mean we, we don't know for sure why why she's no, not here all don't. they all they've released is that it's a story you know story choice and so and I like I said last week, I do enjoy the fact that there's this nice parallel of getting we had Katarina from everybody else's point of view that we really didn't see Katarina's um, Lottie's cat. Uh, we didn't see her, her only from memories. Uh, yeah, we saw her objectives and her opinions and her life through other people's views and right now that's it's the same thing with Liz that you know yes we think we know what she's doing but there are a lot of assumptions being made because we haven't been able to go to the source on it and so Mm -hmm. I think once she's back we may find ourselves with a whole lot more information on her true objectives Mm -hmm. so we may not I mean they may be spot on but Overall, I, I think it's a very interesting parallel that if for whatever reason Megan is not able or and Reddington also to, was know. missing for many many years and nobody knew he was doing he I mean all his enemies describe him like a ghost so this is not also it goes yeah. far you know Berlin was like a ghost for all this you know uh, hunting Reddington without really nobody knowing what uh, who he was or why he was doing this. So it's really the the uh, it's really well handled, and this episode had everything. It it had um, it had intrigue. It had uh, this this very those very intriguing bookends meetings with the friend from the east. Um, 
It had red, you know, temper. It had Cynthia Panabaker. What yeah. cannot be made better by adding Panabaker? Uh, so let, let's jump into it. I thought it was really interesting, some of the things we learned. Because um, we, we got, uh, and we can go over the breadth of the, the nuggets that we got through this mm-hmm. episode, but I, I have an interesting list of stuff um, that, that I was like, oh, well, that's that's good to know. That's an interesting thing to make note of. The, the friend from the East knows that Red has a deal with the FBI. Clearly, he has known for a while, if not since the beginning, but Rakeem didn't, and no. uh, it's it was very interesting. So the friend of the East isn't a fan of it. He sees it as a means to the end, which clearly Red does not. Yeah, I mean the the choice to go after Cooper at Rakeem's, you know, he had a choice, Rakeem or or Cooper, and he chose Cooper. Now, granted, he still took care of his business as Red does, but it was a Hobson's choice. There was there was no good thing. You know, he either lost a valued asset or he lost Harold Cooper and he chose Cooper. And so was, we go back to what the psychiatrist, Dr. Gray, told him. He's masquerading as this 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 uh, iconic Batman, is that how she put it, which was, I thought, a great assessment. I thought that that was really highlighted in this episode in a lot of ways because he went. I mean, he didn't kill literally. Yeah, well, he didn't do that, but he was so theatrical about the way he approached Park. And I mean, I thought it was I actually got very irked with him at the end where he's where he told Zimbe, you know, oh, I never wanted this for them as he sits there and lets the dominoes fall anyway. But when he set it up for Park, there was so much flamboyancy in the way that he he approached it. It was very theatrical, the way he introduced that. He had her drive out 40, 45 minutes out of town, said, wait for it, wait for it. And then just in very red, he was very much in that theatrical sort of mode. Um, on on how he was delivering things between Alina Park and when he was talking to Cooper and trying to get Cooper to drop things and telling him about the, the story about the, the bean or the rice the or whatever. The rice and bean and the, and the yeah. molars. And just, he was in a very over-the-top kind of mood the entire episode. Yeah. And I felt like he was... At the end episode, or the end end of the episode scene, where he and the, the friend from the east were chatting, mm-hmm. when I, I just I, I really liked that scene where he just wallops the guy. I mean, just pulls back and decks him, and the guy's so shocked. And Red looks at him and says, "I feel like we've been on the same side so long. You forget who I am." And it was like he was trying to make a point. This is who I am. A problem happens, I fix it, even if it requires me killing an asset. Something, you know, if you come at me, I'm going to put you in the ground. And it was very much this, this is who he has built Raymond Reddington to be, and this is who he wants to make sure potential enemies see. What is interesting to me about that, that particular scene is one thing that that Lucas Ryder does brilliantly in his episodes, which is there is this 
this in your face loaf of bread that hit you, you know, and, you know, usually they're like two or three coming at you. And then there is the stuff that it's in the words, very precisely chosen words, that when you actually look at them, they're telling you exactly the opposite to what the overt loaf of bread are telling you. So on this episode, it's like, yes, Red is N13. He's a Russian asset. He's being, you know, he's infiltrating uh, American intelligence. And meanwhile, what we are seeing is Red telling, we see the friend from the East come out of the SBR building or some build, Russian building. It's obvious that he's Russian intelligence. He may be conducting this little side project with Red, but what his work is, 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 is intelligence. It was very interesting because, and I'm still sort of piecing through it in my mind, because the friend from the East talked about how Rakitin was doing stuff with the SVR, and he was also doing projects with them, with their alliance. And so you got the impression when they were talking at the beginning that those were two separate entities. Mm-hmm. But then at the end, uh, Reddington's talking about it, and he says something, or, or towards the middle, you had the guy from the East say that the SVR, like that the full force of the SVR was going to come down on him like thunder. And so somewhere in there, it felt like it shifted. What's your no. opinion on that? No, no, no. That's what I was going. I just didn't finish. Um, probably because pain is making me stop more than I do. Sorry. Um, I, so you, you have this whole thing building that, you know, Reddy's in 13. He's a Russian mole. He's inside the government. He's getting information. Um, and at the same time, you have him telling the friend from the East, we have been on the same side so long. That doesn't mean always been on the same side. We've been in the same side for so long. He's been talking about this 30-year project, which is 1991. So since 1991, he joined forces with this guy from Russian intelligence, and obviously they were before on opposite sides. So that makes Red not be N13. Whatever N13 means to Cooper, not what N13 may mean to everybody else. I think it's very different. That maybe, but just because they were on the same side doesn't necessarily mean they were on opposing sides. Well, how could not be? I mean, the we're likelihood talking about is Russian that... intelligence and things that started before the end of the Cold War. What else could they not be? They have to be. I mean, the whole thing is like everything that people believe about Reddington is predicated on a on a DNA test that was shown by Jennifer to Liz. Everything, because nothing that Red has said. Yes, I was somebody else. Is that doesn't mean that he became Reddington in 1991. So I don't think he did. I think he became Reddington much earlier than that. I think before before the the Naval Academy or during the Naval Academy or whatever. So it just makes I love when they do this kind of things that really require you to go deep into the words and and analyze them because then it's, it's it's fascinating. They're telling you all these things. Um, 
I I love the the bookended scenes. The one at the beginning where he goes to Moscow and this guy just in, is in a fury. And the reason he drove him to Moscow was that he could kill, um, that he could have uh, Rakitin kill Cooper. And in the end is 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 a friend from the east who goes to Washington and meets with him, and then he sucks him this punch. Um, and and it's interesting because we haven't seen Red lose his temper very much. The last time he lost his temper was when Liz was um, was being taken by Braxton, and he started like getting that guy. See, an extra fifteen minutes won't make any difference. Yeah, um, yeah, where he just like walked in and beat the crap out of him. Yeah, he doesn't typically throw punches. His weapon tends to be either a gun or words. Mm-hmm. Or he has someone else do it. Um, there's a lot of that. And so and this was personal. I, oh, it was. I mean, that I, I feel like this is a friend. I mean, he made the comment. He said, you know, I, I, I value don't, your friendship yeah. more than most. And so... I think it is deeply personal for him. And I think that's why he threw the punch like that. That tracks for me 100%. What was more interesting to me was the part that followed at the end when he sits, you know, and, and say, well, does Rakitin is on you. And then he sits and this is so important because we are so close to the end. And, and he's, he's making it certain that it's my end game. And what's happening in the post office is my end game, which means there is a, an end of the game they're both playing, but there is also Red's end game. And, and then when, when uh, he, um, the friend from the East asked, you know, what is important is at the end. So it's so rich because is the end of what? The end of a project, which is the objective of a project, or is it finishing the project, or is his own end? Yeah. It's and the fact that he looked so tired in that moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think it's easy to forget that Red's sick, you know, when he's not, you know, choking up blood. Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting that that's how Rakitin was killed. Um, that that was the the symptom shown from the poison. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's easy when we've had multiple episodes of no visible symptoms from Red. It's easy to put that in the back of our minds that he's sick, he's dying. And that moment, he just looked so tired. Exhausted. Yeah. yeah totally exhausted. Um, so, so there is, the, we've, ha- I think we, we have learned a lot of things about the friend from the East. Um, we have, we learned a lot of things about Rakitin. That Rakitin was basically, a, you know, he was uh, running projects for the SBR, for other groups. And I think that Rakitin didn't really know what um, what the relationship of Red with the FBI is. Oh, also, he didn't. Uh, the friend from the East straight up said he did not know, which I thought was really bizarre. I mean, so what did he think was the connection with the FBI? Because he didn't he, think there was one. That's why he was so nervous that the yeah. FBI was after him. And that's why he asked him to make it disappear. Um, the the interesting part for me is that even the friend from the East that says that Red is like a brother 
that trust him like a brother, which is a very different thing. Because, um, you know, one may love a sibling, but that does not mean trust that sibling or not. I mean, love and trust are two, two different things. You may love somebody to death and not trust them. You may trust them and not love them. And you may love and trust them. Um, nothing to do with one another. But it's interesting that the friend from the East also doesn't know what is Red's relationship with Liz. I think that the fact that he threatened her, I said for now, to me tells me it's not about the FBI because that she's no longer in the FBI. If the only value of her would be the connection to the FBI, that would be lost the moment she left the FBI. So this has to be about something that the friend from the East owes uh, Katarina. Because she has no idea, obviously, who Red is to her, or that Red has protected her, or changed his life or hers, or well, he was I mean, ready to give up everything when she thought he was dead. Yeah, there's a possibility that Katarina's the one pulling all the strings, too. Yes, because we don't know where Katarina is. And at this point, it's becoming a bit of uh, what on earth is going on. Yeah. So, on the same subject of Rakitin and Red, uh, there was a very interesting bit at the end of it when he's talking about Rakitin and Dembe talks about how, you know, they, they've lost a valuable asset. And Red says, truth is, I never trusted or liked him. He was a spy, spineless, nameless, completely, completely lacking in conviction and character. Thankfully, there are others. That was interesting to me because clearly we have quite a few spies, including Katarina. Mm -hmm. uh, Red was in intelligence. And so, I mean, you could, you know, potentially call him a spy as well. They, they've talked about him being the spy that, that you know, uh, what was the term? Um, spy that came in out of the cold or something yeah, like that. Yeah, the spy they who didn't come out of the cold. Didn't come in the, the, yeah. uh, So he's been referred to as a spy, and I, I am not the only one that felt this way. There were several people in a chat that I'm in that commented on this as well, that it felt very much like a callback to his opinions on Tom as well. The way or he Eugene. used Tom. Stupid yeah. spy killer. Um, mm -hmm. And even his original list. I have a list of, of uh, my wish list. Spies, traitors, um, hackers. So it goes all the way back to... And remember, I mean, a, a spy is a hero in his own country and a criminal in all the others. I mean, I've been saying that forever. And even Red tells, tells Kate, you know, Liz was born in a world of criminals. And I think that Red doesn't, it, it's not lost in Red that a spy is just a criminal in the service of your country. The things that a spy does, you know, in real life and in movies, you're, you're exploiting weaknesses, you're using compromising information, you're using greed, you're using need uh, to get people to do the things you want them to do. So it's not exactly, as I you know, say, called clean, and it's never been a clean profession. No, no, not at all. But it was just a very interesting statement. Mm -hmm. It was full of those little things. Yeah, definitely was. Um, I, how? What are your feeling? Oh, 
Was yep. there more? No, no, go, go. You're, you're the keeper say, today. <laughs> I was going to ask uh, if we want to transition into Cooper, because there was a lot of red in Cooper, since we've, we've seemed to be focusing on red, you know, the last bit. So let's let's transfer into red and Cooper and Cooper on his own. Um, and so what, one thing that I just need to throw out there before we get into the character and what actually happened in the episode was a continuity error you know I, i'm saying that with a question mark behind it red in season two i believe referred to the girls so charlene and the girls as if he had at least two daughters um but for keaton referred to a son in this it's just it it seems like they've never it feels like, like they've never they, yeah yeah. Like there, there are children. We don't know who they are. We don't know what gender I mean, they the are. The refrigerator was a boy and a girl. So I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, I don't know. Like I feel like they need to have somewhere tacked. Cooper has one son and one daughter, or Cooper has two daughters. Like who are these children? Please give them names, even if we never meet them, just so you guys have as, it. In as the, as we learned the lesson with um, General Ludd, they created lives as if they were real people even if you're never going to mention your your great aunt rita who used to keep chickens inside the house you need a story and they need a name that's how you make a character round yes that was a that's a bit of a of a but i love that they mentioned charlene and i gotta say something before we go into cooper because this is going to be an interesting uh segue there do you remember that I've always said that when Nick changed his mind about about helping Tom, it was a very weird scene. We yeah. see him in the back of his in the car, he's in a parking lot, and out of the blue he he says, "Sure, I'm gonna help you. I just told Red and Liz um, I I'm I'm not interested, and I'm giving you a reason that you didn't give me that Liz was in danger, which something Tom never said. And I've always said we never saw who was in the back of that car. We never saw if there was somebody who had threatened him or promised him. Why at the moment where Tom had no more options to, to inquire about the identity, he goes there. And in this episode, we get a masterful scene because we begin with a congressman and the way we film them. He seems to be alone in the room, and he says, we've been playing. This is far more serious than what I thought. Rakitin doesn't exist. You have to come, meet me there. And we think that he's he's just acting normally, and then there is Rakitin Oh, I in the didn't. I, I fully expected someone to be in the room. Yes, but, but the point is, we didn't see them. It's because we were expecting Rakitin because Rakitin said that he was he got an instruction from the friend from the East who told him exactly who to go to and what to do. We knew that, but had we not known that, we would have just imagined, oh, okay, so I guess we're going back to the congressman. I guess the congressman is now dead. Yeah, you, you could have very easily cut that out. And then, I mean, for, from other people's point of view, it, it looks like he just died in his sleep. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I I agree with you that the scene with Nick in the car was very bizarre. And I don't know, maybe they'll go back to it. Maybe it was one of the things that was lost with yeah. COVID. But I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I guess I'm, that was I'm sure it's, later. it's they, once in a while they do these things that is a throwback to a scene that felt somewhat important and you think it's not going anywhere, but maybe it will. Yeah. Um, but it was it was very interesting um, because I I wondered in there, and I, I suppose Cooper could have just brushed it off as him being nervous, but just the way. The, the congressman was not a... The actor was a good actor. The congressman was not a good actor. He he was trying to... Like, every everything the congressman was saying, the way he was saying no it, sense. felt... Yeah, it felt like every red flag in Cooper's mind should have been flying high. Like, and putting him Thank on... You. Like, it's it should have set every warning sign... I should have said, him. meet me in the FBI building. Yeah, like, me, let me get, you know, I will come get you, meet me on this corner in this, you know, not in a parking garage. Like, and yeah. maybe this is just me being a woman in L.A., but you don't, you don't go meet someone in a parking garage. No, no, I mean, it, it, it's just not, um, and it's not the first time Lord, uh, Cooper had been lured out with bad reactions. If you remember, let's go back to season one where a this very intriguing uh, agent Martin decides that even though he has been speaking clearly everywhere in the post office, suddenly he has to speak with with Cooper in a bench in a park, and then uh, fake Berlin gets him and kills his bodyguard and who driver in within feet of this guy's bodyguards, and nobody saw anything. So it's not the first time that something nefarious has happened to Cooper while being lured outside yeah but for being for being formerly an intelligence and being an assistant director like cooper is not a dumb cookie i have a theory it's the list effect (laughs) he did like and panabaker called him out on it is that who Who am i talking to with i don't care about answers i don't care about anything else i just need to know about n13 honestly i also felt like it was a callback in a lot of ways to um to, to that season one where uh i'm blanking on the guy's name but the, the guy that was a terrorist like i know this is the answer i'm gonna do anything i need to even if it is technically breaking the law i'm gonna do anything i i need to do oh um, put this out there Rifkin. yeah I love Ray the, ju- yeah. the guy who he beat up because tom Connolly told him to yes he was guilty. Yes, he was, but uh, um, he didn't go about. But it's and the that's, same thing. That's it's what like, I mean. Like he's got this idea. Like he thinks this is the truth. He think whether it is or it isn't. He thinks that Red is in thirteen. He thinks you know the N thirteen is a traitor to the United States because that is the truth. He fully believes. He does. He, nothing seems to matter. Like who he has to throw under the bus? And you guys know I am not Reddington's fan right now but the fat and panabaker had this you know wtf sort of moment when he goes out there and plays oh. the recording oh and she's no just, no no we're gonna talk about panabaker oh, oh let's, i agree let's i have into, into so Cooper. much more on panabaker than just yeah. that yeah but my point is with coop that it was a very driven sort of moment of needing to get to the truth he had already decided on He's been licified. Yeah, uh, but but it's not the first time he's done it. He has been no. known to do it before Liz, and yeah, so. Yeah, but but now he's in a full mode, like 
like wrestler used to also be one that said, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, why are we, we should be questioning things. And Cooper used to be like, wait, wait a minute, let's just question things. Red saved his life. Um, Red had saved his life many times. Uh, Red, how can you say that Red is actually working against the United States when he just gave them back the coats for the satellites? I mean, it's like none of them, they're doing exactly the same thing with Liz. She saw a report with a DNA that said that wasn't Red, and then she hear, heard this woman who just, basically she assumed it was her mother, and then Katerina, a blonde cat, just ran with it. And then she just assumes that everything that woman says is absolutely the truth. Yeah. And the only one who so far is saying, I don't know about that is, is uh is around that's so far maybe he will also be lucified <laughs> i mean but you're not wrong there i mean she's her hyper focus that she's had for years where she just zeroes in on things it feels like it's spreading in a lot of ways and it's if feels a little far-fetched in a lot of ways um but it she's is been doing it, it since the very beginning it's okay, one she, thing. i'm not talking about her i'm talking about other people yeah but it's, but it's like expanding I said, the the route that they're taking to the extreme that they're taking it sometimes feels a little far-fetched but remember how they we discussed last episode uh that Cooper may have been in com in in, in um, contact with Liz more than just leading the the drive. So we don't. I mean, obviously, she had fed him the story about Neville Townsend and the family. But I I do have a question though, and and I meant to go back and rewatch this in the pilot before getting on the podcast, and I didn't have time, so sorry about that. But. In the pilot, when when you have Cooper and Wrestler walking in when they first meet, and they're discussing all the the laundry list of charges that they're hoping to file against Reddington, you know why they're chasing him down, selling documents to foreign countries and issues of being a traitor were were some of those things, and I understand that he's been on trial for treason and that he was acquitted for that but it just like the fact that that cooper is so adamant like this is the straw that breaks the camel's back we didn't have that acquittal until season six so seasons one through five you were totally chill with you know working hand in hand with a traitor of the united states but the moment you find out that a jury doesn't feel that way then well he's he heard the 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 tape yeah and so i just but like the the switch around to being as adamant about it as he is now when he seemed okay with it for the first five seasons is a little bizarre yeah it, it's a little bizarre but i also feel is it's all driven by things that he's getting from liz um because she, the way cooper describe this um and and here you're going to go into the point of view something that the blacklist does brilliantly from cooper's point of view the story he's getting about n13 goes to what he, what liz says 
you know, it was a bunch of, of um, it was basically blackmail files, information about other governments, about powerful individuals that was stolen. And Neville Townsend was one of these people, and they were involved. And that's how he went and tried to kill who he thought responsible. And now they're saying, no, it is this guy, and he killed this woman. I think that for Cooper, it, it is the camel that breaks the back, and I think it is about Liz. It is about, and we tend to forget that Liz is a daughter of Katarina Rostova, who was basically as a doctor, and doesn't have to be in a sexual sense. You can seduce people in many ways. And I think that Liz, however, you know, it's unlikely may seem sometimes has the same effect and is mostly on men. It's either like the damsel in distress is the, uh, uh, you know, help me here. It, it just seems to drive guys to do crazy stuff. And it usually doesn't end up well for them. I mean, look at Katerina. Uh, Rhett tried to help her with Ilya, and that was a mess that ended up putting her in, in Townsend's getting, creating a directive. Then Daddy tries helping, and that didn't really go very well either. Because now they spot, oh, what, there's a live Katerina Rostova on the run. So I think that that tendency of, of basically getting men to do whatever, to even do things above and beyond what they're asking... It's, it's eventually becomes a liability. And maybe Liz will be much better than the mother in, in creating this. But what he's doing with Cooper and with Red, with Wrestler is exactly that. It's turning them into, we're not thinking anymore because Liz said. Yeah. And that's, it's frustrating in a lot of ways because Wrestler, I feel like, like he's just ta- he's he's not thinking with his head, or at least not the correct one. Yes. Um, <laughs> sort of boils it's down to. It's why you don't wear underwear in your head. Especially it's why what? You don't wear underwear in your head. <laughs> <laughs> it just, you want a head to be able to think and expand, not be tight. Yeah, he just and I guess we're like sort of you know, branching off into wrestler very briefly, but I don't have a whole lot to go with him. But he just... Oh, yeah, I have words that go with him. What Panna Baker said in season two, are you a moron or a traitor? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But the whole team is doing that. I mean, this idea that if she's right about... Red being in 13, somehow... It was fine to bomb a hospital and and to put two planes in the air. And, yes, and like, it, is like it's okay, and the only one saying like, "Are you kidding me?" And Aram is the only one so far saying, "I I don't know." The the hospital clearly that was Liz. I mean, like we saw her. The I, I feel like there's still a sliver of hope on the airplanes because we did not actually see her. And it's like, <laughs> no body, no crime, you know. Um, <laughs> it's, we did not see her. Um, so I, I'm ho- withholding judgment on that until we get her side of things. But from 
the task force point of view, this idea, and I, I guess in part it's because so much has been overlooked over the years because of value, but, I mean, it's, the, the idea that everything's going to be wiped clean and they're just going to get her maybe back. You're not gonna be, maybe you're not going to be an agent. Maybe. Yeah, it just I'm just like, wrestler, honey, you're smarter than that. Why? Like, he just, he's so tunnel visioned with it. And it's, it, I, I think. It's like, a, it's the Rostov effect. Let's call I, I it the guess. Rostov effect. Where common sense goes out the window and is whatever, whatever they say goes. Because I don't have how to explain that that the things that that both wrestler and and um, and Cooper are doing it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um. And one interesting thing is is that in all this situation, which is great, I mean the way it's done. Then you're getting Alina, Alina and Aram are discussing that. Oh well. He knew how to how to uh, contact Rakitin, so he must be N13. Whoa! If he's really N13, why would he not be killing, uh, letting Cooper be killed and protect his asset? It just the things that they're all. I doing, mean, that's what Panabaker called out. Panabaker had was making the most sense of anybody. Yeah. Um, are we ready to move into her? Because I. I, I yeah, we're probably going to go back to Cooper here and yeah. there because there are some great interactions there. Yeah, but something interesting... Give me your idea about, about Panabaker <laughs> because I have ideas and I have theories. Yeah, did you find that opening scene with her where right after Cooper was brought in and she, they're up in his office and he's pouring a drink because everybody needs a drink after that. But you know what, it, what the blacklist means when they're sharing a uh, scotch, right? Oh, there's trees in there. There's uh, somebody's about to be thrown in the, in the wolves. Yep. Um, but did you feel like that reaction she gave to him? The, I mean, because she was stolen for time. The the actress is uh, Deidre Lovejoy, I think is her name. Like she's a very talented actress, but the delivery of those lines felt so fake. Well, like. Oh, are you honey, ready to I'm delve so into my sorry. theory? I think you are. You just give me the opening. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm sorry to think that she is. I know you've said that you think she's involved with the N13 thing. I think this. She's the mole. The, she's working with Red. I mean. Oh, you think she's working with Red? Yes, I think she's working with Red. Let's let's review this episode in Miss Panabaker. <laughs> she comes in there. Her reaction, as you say, is totally off. And what is she telling Cooper? Take the day off. I think you should take the day off. Um, you know, why don't you get checked up? And look what Arami is saying. Let me call you up. Uh, and you have to follow this because it's very subtle. Arami is like, let's just call a medic. And he's like, no. Then comes Panabaker. I think you should take the day off. No, really. I think you should. Um, then he starts going into like, well, I'm going to explain what's going on. And, and she's like, oh, okay. I know there's something in there. So tells him the, this whole story about N13. And when the second he says N13, you see that she's just tensing up. And then she goes like, oh, don't tell me it's Reddington. This whole thing feels so fake. 
Yeah, it did. So fake. I mean, she Completely was just fake. playing him and the horror. And then she she follows him to Rakita's interrogation. And the moment that Cooper, it's like he's and it's not about what Cooper is playing the recording. It's what the recording is doing to Rakitin. Because you can see, just as Harold said, he's going to talk. He was going to talk. That was the, that was, and that's exactly why Panabaker went in. She Cynthia went in because she needed to stop Rakitin from talking, not Cooper telling Rakitin what it didn't matter that Red was an informant. He had to have known he was an informant. How on earth is the FBI going to get well, it? That, that's one thing I, I thought about because, I mean, it was so bizarre because in that moment, clearly, he knew that Red was an informant. Cooper straight up told him, Red sold you out. And then later, Rakitin dropped that like it was some sort of truth bomb that he had figured it out. It's like, are, are you that far behind? Like, everybody knew that you'd figured that out. No. So it cannot be that. So what is Cynthia doing? He's, she's protecting Cooper by stopping Rakitin from telling him anything. And then she stalls him again by, by having that. So Red gives, finds the way to kill him, gets Alina, and when Alina says, how am I going to get this to him? Says, oh, that's your problem, says Red. Very lighthearted, like, I don't know. You, do, you deal with that. The most important part of the problem Having a means to kill Rakitin doesn't mean anything if Rakitin doesn't get the poison letter. And in that moment, oopsie, here comes Cynthia with her clipboard, perfect way to drop that thing in between, and Alina jumps at the thing. And then, not only that, but she knows he's been poisoned and stops wrestling from touching him. And then says, oh, he cannot be here. And, you know, this man has like Rocky Mountain uh, oysters. And notice that when, when Red is talking to Cooper at the end, even though he says both of you are safer um, and acknowledges Cynthia, he's talking to Cooper. And that, to me, seals it. She knew what she was doing. She stopped him. He, she knew that Red was doing, and I bet that she knew that there was a, a document, a way to kill him that came in a document and gave something to uh, give somebody. She probably didn't know who it was, but she knew that somebody will get that information. Yeah. That Someone that, on the task force yeah, was going to be the agent to provide the means to kill him. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, that's, that's a solid argument right there. I, I think she's involved. And, and she, I, guess I mean, look at what she's done. The first time we saw her, she's coming in there, confronting in front of, of Peter and, and Lauren, and she's stopping and protecting Liz. And ever since, she's protected Red to the point where, if but if Red was, in, was on the death penalty and he was about to be killed, she was like, you're on your own. So I think that she's involved in that. She's part of that end game. And at this point, if one of them gets caught, they're on their own. They can't do, nothing can be done about that. You mean if Red gets caught? If Red gets caught, if Panabaker gets caught, they're on their own. They're not going, they're not going to compromise the mission 
They'll be disavowed. They'll be disavowed. Yep. No, I'm with you on Panna Baker. I feel like this episode, if she's not, then there was some very bizarre moments in there. And considering it was Lucas Ryder, I, it almost, there was something there. She's just, everything that she did was, was suspicious to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess, and also, um, she, of course, she wasn't wearing plaid. She's never wore plaid. Uh, but everybody else was wearing plaid except Alina. Red, wrestler, Aram, Rakitin. Um, oh, no, not, not a friend from the East. Interesting. He was not. Um, it's... I think that what we're seeing, there is so many layers of of um, of conceit and deceit that I don't know. I mean, this is this is very getting very very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be very interesting moving forward. I'm hoping we'll get Liz back and we'll get her point of view soon can we talk about that pathetic scene at the end do we have to <laughs> that goes back to this and 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 like and and oh by the way and skip is also wearing plaid um and he's like no she doesn't want to talk to you and do we even know that there was that there was wrestler is giving is leaving classified information on a phone that he had no idea who's it on the that he acknowledges he has no idea he's like i don't even know if this is getting to you a lawyer who has proven to be very untrustworthy gave him a number and said it was from liz and then used this i told her just to leave you know to ignore you to bolster you know the trust in it just a little bit like i you know She's going, you know, she, she's ignoring my advice. And so here's the number. Clearly it's from her because she's ignoring my advice. And just. Yeah, that wow. is like if if she's ignoring my advice, but I'm the one giving you a number to call, then who's pulling the shots here? Because it doesn't sound like it's Liz then because she's basically doing whatever he tells her to do. And do, I mean, we're meant to think that that's Liz in the car, but is it? Yeah, but how do we, there's no way to know. And so it just, and it's not like wrestlers saw from from his there point of view. There was one interesting thing. I don't want to lose it. Uh-huh. Wrestler said something very interesting to Liz. So you can be with Agnes. Is that I mean that, that, yeah. Is that it's, mean that, that Agnes is not there? Is that the reason why Liz is doing everything that she's doing? Because Agnes has been taken? I don't know. I thought that was very interesting because, I mean, last we saw her, she was with Agnes. Mm -hmm. And so maybe he meant be with her living freely versus on the run. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he thinks she stowed Agnes away somewhere. But why on earth would she have? Like, why bother to go out of her way? She hasn't even been anywhere. She's acting by proxy with Skip. Exactly. With a Cyranoid, probably by Essie. Uh, And in, in theory... That is so she can be with her daughter. Because why on earth, if she was just going to store her away somewhere, would she have gone out of her way to go into the the post office to get Just her? so you can threaten around with a gun. Yeah, like, I mean, and like, that's... to his better instincts. 
like she's she unless her child has been taken she has agnes with her it was a very interesting comment that he made i i guess i chalked it up to wrestler not thinking things through because he wasn't thinking things through with any other part of that conversation so why should that be any different mm. but maybe it was an easter egg there of you know yeah. leading us to it something something is really strange in in what is going on and whatever the reason you know behind that or not we don't know that but the way it's been played it certainly gives a lot of credibility to is there is a big chance that Liz has not been that Liz is taking or is under duress to do something we don't know yet but how would wrestler know because he clearly hasn't spoken to her but I mean I, I do agree with you there that that there's that possibility and that's kind of what I've been holding on to in the background of my mind when I say we haven't seen her therefore we don't know if she's responsible for the plane we don't know if she's responsible for a lot of things that have been happening that people you know the, the blame is getting put on her because all we're getting is Liz is doing this so yeah. say if but it could be, know, it could be a, like the same thing they did with with um, with red you know there was a narrative that was created or it could be under duress yeah, uh, in which you do this, or your or your child is is killed. There, there's a lot. Well, I mean, of we we saw that at the beginning of this episode where Rakitin was threatening the senator's child or the congressman's child to be able to to set up Cooper, and then he turned around and threatened Cooper's family. And so, I mean, it this would not be the first time. It's, I mean, children have been used as threats and taken and used as leverage throughout the show since the beginning. Yeah, it's it's a very, it was a little interesting nugget, um, especially coming from wrestler that seemed to have been, it, it doesn't seem like when he calls Skip, it was a, that, because the last time that List spoke with wrestler, she didn't give him any number. So they, they may have been other contacts that we're not aware of, all the conversations, give him a number, or Skip knew that he was, you know, there was wrestler speaking and they have never spoken before. So it just seemed like there is um, there's a lot that we don't know that has been going on behind the scenes with Liz and Cooper and Liz and wrestler. And I still, you know, the, the so there, there seem, the one that is becoming to me the most interesting in that setup in the post office is Panna Baker and Aram. Because Aram was also the one questioning and the one he, Aram had a phrase that was very interesting to me. He said, I think at this point, this is almost unavoidable that his immunity agreement will be, will be removed or uh, voided. It, it just seems to me that at, at this point, in this in, in this episode, I was seeing both Panna Baker and Aram express the only reasonable views, and at the same time, they were the ones that provided the ways to save Cooper, to get to Rakitin. At every step, there was a little bit of good luck happening, and as Red says, he doesn't believe in coincidence. He makes his luck. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm hoping we'll we'll get some more information coming up soon. 
I, I feel like they're going to be, this is one of those episodes that by the end of the season, we'll look back on it and go, the answers were there. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there were probably a lot of answers in here, but because we're looking, and I keep going back to that all white puzzle that Red was working on in season. You don't, you don't have the the you don't have the, the, the little box where it tells you where you're. Assembled. Exactly. You know, it's we're working off of this. We don't know if we have all the pieces. We don't know where the pieces. If all go. the pieces are from the same puzzle. Yeah. Um, yeah. There may be extra pieces thrown in there. We're assembling something, and as Red said, he is the puzzle, and, and he can't. Um, it, it, the whole, I mean, every when you go past the words, what Red has done is not to get information from the task force. He's usually the one giving information. He's usually the one doing things and, and doing things to protect innocence. So I... It's very interesting to me how now everybody is like, oh, he's N13 and Anna Baker is like, who am I talking? Harold Cooper or Elizabeth King? Now, how does Anna Baker know about that? But which am I talking about with Harold Cooper or Elizabeth King? Who has briefed her into what Elizabeth King believes or what she's doing or why she's now obsessed with finding N13 and Red being N13 and, and Red knowing Cooper all did. this? I think Cooper did. I think he he filled her in several episodes back. On on killing her mother, not about Red Man Thirteen. Well, we or we don't one know. Focus on one thing. Yeah, we don't know what all he's told her though, and so it could but be it's something to keep an eye on at least. Yeah, I agree. That she seems to have a lot of information that we are not sure how she acquired that information. And I think Aram should be on our radar as well. Great. So we had an interesting theory pitched out um, that I promised that I would would uh, extend for your ideas. Um, are, are we good with, with everybody? I think so. Yeah. Um, so the question was, could Scotty be in 13? She could be, but she has acted with the military and against Russia. But of course, um, it, it's possible. It is certainly possible. She's always playing a game that is like two, three steps ahead of everybody like Red. And definitely we have a link between Panabaker and and uh, Scotty. Yeah, I could see her being involved. I mean, because we, we've talked about the N13 is almost can't be just one person. Yeah. So if it's a team of people, yeah. I could see that. And I, I agree with something that was said in the when this question was posed, um, that it would help link, because it, so many of us feel that Katarina and Scotty have a link. They have to have a link. Yeah, I, I thoroughly believe that. Um, and so that would be an interesting point of convergence there. Mm -hmm. Well, the, Panabaker is, is a point in common. Panabaker protected Katarina's daughter. Um, 
and Pennebaker knows and, and protected Scotty. So whatever Scotty's doing is worth protecting from Panabaker. Um, there is also something, you know, on, on that who in 13 is that I think we should address. And, and it's this, this thing that makes no sense and nobody's actually looking at it. Um, because every information that we have about what N13 did in the packets he stole or she stole don't seem to make much sense as they're presented to us. According to what Red told Liz, Katerina stole compromising information on people related to the cabal. The cabal, the associates, and the competitors. That was the people affected by the compromising information. That was in Gregory the Bride. In a moment in, he, in which he was unusually open with her but now the one Katerina came with it contain is a is a she call it a, a blackmail file correct yes and and now Cooper explained that it contains information about powerful uh, people and nations that they want to keep secret correct one thing it is not, it's information then that compromises Russia. Because if it's information that Russia is using to compromise others, it may take their leverage away, but it does. it's not a traitor. It's not a thing that compromises Russia. So Russia was keeping information that compromised people in the cabal. What does that tell you about who's pulling the, the strings above the cabal. Russia. Correct? Seems, I mean, it seems logical. Why on earth would they have information and people, and these people are all related to the cabal, and the cabal was involved in what? In letting the world go for 25 years while everybody got richer and then go back to the Cold War. So it seems to me that the end of the Soviet Union was a trick to get rich, get assets involved everywhere, and then go back to the way the things were. Yeah, I mean, with the cabal, I think there were people on both sides. I mean, we we did see... Uh, in see a Russian in there. Did you remember when, when Fitch was, was um, around the table? There was no Russian there. Yeah, we had people from all over, but I, as far as I remember, there weren't any Russians. Um, there weren't any I think Russians. I think the reason that we keep drawing back to that is Bond. Yes, somebody was pulling strings. We never had seen that upper echelon of the cabal. We've seen the apparent thing, and every time like the cabal has been like a like a little onion. We see this layer, and we think, oh, this is it, and then we see, oh no, no, wait a minute, it's a little bigger. Oh, wait a minute, it's much bigger. And then we still got one level that we don't know. Now we find out that the information that compromises people in the cabal actually resided in, 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 the, in the KGB, which means the KGB are the ones who were using this, the, the cabal, which makes sense that then Katerina and some Russian people concerned that there is this 
faction controlling the world, including Russia, for their own purposes and maybe decide to join forces with their former enemies in order to at least end this threat, which is common to them all. To me, it yeah. makes sense. And nobody has realized, like, this doesn't make any sense. And granted, Cooper doesn't have that information, but Liz does. So does the audience. <laughs> Don't get lisicated, people. <laughs> We've already been charmed by Rennington. Don't don't be charmed by Liz. <laughs> I don't know this Rostov effect. It'll be interesting. I uh, I I wasn't able to watch the episode until Saturday morning, so I didn't see it live with the previews. So I don't even know what next week's looks like. Uh, it's basically and. It's it's Anne, so it's basically just oh, Townsend coming for uh, for Red. Yeah, and uh, I suspect it's bye bye Annie. Probably so. Um, yeah. When something looks cute, like Red on the lap of Anne, yeah, that doesn't end well. That generally means bye bye Anne. Yeah, I don't think she's going to stick around very long. It's just sad. I like her. It's interesting because we get we get Red in a moment where he's so near the end. And he's tired. He's sick. He's being poisoned and, and tortured and betrayed. Um, and this woman that whatever you may think she is to him, he's giving his life. He was for her many times. He had... He collapsed when he thought he, she was dead. He couldn't go forward. He contemplated suicide. And in the moments, he wants a normalcy. He wants a respite. Like, he has these dreams. And I feel that, that Dembe is the one who always pulls him back. You know, we have Madeline. We have Cassandra. Um, now we have Anne. And all these moments that he had dreamed of... of Maybe not doing this job. Maybe not going back to Penelope. Not going back to Ithaca and 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 just like stay like Ulysses and the or Odysseus in the um, going back home. Yeah, it'll be interesting once we have more information because clearly Dembe has been linked uh, like he, he is fully briefed on this 30 year plan he called it our work yeah it's and the work that save innocence so that can be a treason to a particular country because that would probably mean a lot of innocents will die but if it's about saving the world from a group of people who think that controlling events is the way to go that would you know, fit into what a man who's obviously religious and trying to do good means. But I think Dembe is getting very conflicted because he's been telling Red, you have to let Cooper know. You have to take him into confidence. Um, it was it was Dembe going for, you have to save Cooper. And, you know, this is time, like I told you to take Cooper into confidence and not with a vague thing about the people that I work for and savory. Yeah. And, and that is a point that Red doesn't do very well, which is trust. 
Well, yeah, I mean, he, he's made the comment before. He, he keeps his cards close to the vest. That's not new. He's not... I don't think he's wired that way. No. Um, whether it's life or just natural. I mean, but it's caused a lot of trouble over the years. It probably it's, kept him alive, but... Uh, yeah, I was going to say it's a double-edged sword. But, I mean, like, while it's kept his secrets close, it's probably kept him alive in a lot of ways. And it's allowed him to develop this persona that's bigger than life and that has also kept him alive, I'm sure, in, in many situations. It also has put people in danger and it's put Cooper in danger. It's turned Liz against him. It's gotten people killed. And so it's this double-edged sword of, yes, good things for him have come for it. And he hopes that in the end, this 30-year thing that he's been working on will come to fruition and he'll be able to to finish this. But it, it keeps going back to a question I've asked for a long time. How much is it worth to him? Whatever this is, there's always a cost-benefit analysis that doesn't necessarily have to do with money. It has to do with what is it going to cost you. And so it's cost him friends, it's cost him, I mean, well, and lives of friends. He said at the end is everything. Yeah. And so that, that apparently is it. So for him, even if it costs Liz her life, Agnes her life, apparently it's life. enough. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it's, I, I don't think Red holds his own life in as much esteem I think As that it actually life. means, yeah, I think it actually means more that he's willing to sacrifice anything, including Liz and Agnes, uh, than, than his it own life. It seems to me, you know, I was, I was thinking about that. I was thinking about how it is more, it has changed as Liz has changed. I, I have a feeling that we, we don't really know what is that he wanted with Liz. He said he didn't have a plan and he said Mdemba said he always knew that there was a possibility that Liz would end up being um you know going so dark and getting lost. I have a feeling that at the end Can Red make the same decision that that the Kilgannon woman did? That it's that she he had to get her to think like a criminal. He just quite didn't think that she was going to go to become one. And I think that it all goes down to killing Blonde Cat. Even though he told her she's not your mother, Liz wasn't thinking anymore. Liz wasn't hearing anything. And I can't go past that it's got to be Skovic or Krilov that did something because it doesn't make any sense. It's like she stopped caring about answers. She's just now in a destruction mode. And it makes me wonder if Liz was always programmed for this sort of thing. And that's why they couldn't be trusted. Because I always go back to this. However, Red has basically not seen Jennifer. 
since 1991, when Jennifer asked questions, he gave her answers. So why not Liz? Why Dom needed Liz trust? Is there something that they need from her? It may not be nefarious, but it may be the dismantling something. Why is everybody doing everything they can to keep Liz away from her mother? What danger could it be that Liz will know what happened to her mother or where her mother... Why not tell her, hey, you know what? Your mother, they got a lot of people trying to kill her and she's out there to protect you. Why not? So we're back to the, basically, season one, episode one. Why me? Back to square one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, anything else? Nope. I think it's uh, it was a great episode. Much enjoyed. Um, a lot of people are uh, very taken with Rakitin's style. I love when who has stylish villains. I miss Solomon. I miss Solomon, too. It's, uh, by the way, I don't, I'm, you're not, I don't think you're on Instagram, but Ryan and Eddie went back and forth the other day. Uh, Ryan posted a, an Insta story from, from that episode in Redemption, uh, with the two of them in that apartment. The plumber. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the best scenes in Redemption ever. It's I'm still, still one of my favorites. I mean, the, the oh, cops' yeah. faces were like, I am so out of here. <laughs> we walked into nope 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 and right out of there <laughs> it's but ryan posted it and said tagged eddie and said something about missing him and then eddie reposted it and so ryan's been chatting very chatty with his former uh fellow stars of the blacklist he and megan went back and forth the other day too it's been very chatty with that crowd yeah i miss tom i do too consistently Anyway, I would love um, to see Scotty too. Yeah, I just there's so many answers still hanging out there that they ripped wide open in season four to make make way for redemption, but they didn't answer them on redemption, and so now we do need them answered. I I would love for Tom to be back. I would love for him to come back at the end, but I believe we are, and and I you rarely hear me say this, but I believe we are owed answers that were presented in the main show. Regardless on if it was set up for a spinoff, they were presented in the main show, they need to be answered since the I think spin-off they will. I think they will. I have I have full confidence that they will. We don't know if this um, season eight with this different story correspond to whatever they've been saying or not. We don't know that. If it is maybe a change in direction that need to be a, made to accommodate what happened or not. Um, but whatever it is, it, I believe that the writers can dock the ship safely. I hope so. Um, I know that they tend to come around, even if there are seasons between. So I, I won't give up hope on it until the final finale. So I'm hoping that we'll get there. Yep. So that's all I got. All right. Well, you guys can listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. You can talk to us on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit. And next week we don't have a new episode. 
So oh, next it's, week, if, next week we got Elizabeth Keen conclusion. Oh, I didn't realize next week was the skip uh, because I didn't watch it live. That's why. Yeah. Um, well, Tessa and I will, if if possible, um, because she's got a busted shoulder, so I don't know what will happen with that. But if we have time and the ability to, we'll try to answer and tackle a few of those questions that have come through. Yeah, I have some on my personal Reddit um, Tumblr account and some in Reddit that are very interesting as well. Okay. So maybe we'll do that if... Um, if my shoulder allows. <laughs> All right, guys. Until next time. Until next time, be safe. Bye-bye.